Okay, girls, we're continuing this mimer of Omikne Rav, of talking about the simple servant. I just want to start the class with a question. Um, what shift are you, did we now, are you now studying in this mimer? A shift, a shift from how things were presented until now and how they are now presented. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, before we were speaking mostly about service from man to God, and now we're going into man to man interactions as well. True, okay. But that's not the shift that I was referring to, but still, I agree that it, 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 the examples that he's giving is a lot also about social relationships. But there's a shift. And how he presents the simple servant is a real shift. Anyone want to have a go? Yeah. Worst case scenario is you're wrong. <laughs> Nothing worse than that. Uh, what? It's something to aspire to. Yes. Suddenly we have something to aspire to, but let let. But that is already, in a way, a conclusion of the shift. Yeah. What is somebody. It? It's now like putting the simple servant in a lot of somebody who really works hard and pushes themselves beyond their nature. So what do you mean, rarely? Re- like really. Ah, really. Okay. Fine. Yes. It does put it in the light of something who pushes himself really hard. But you said something that should be more emphasized. Someone else, the last person will have a go at it. And then I'll pick it up. It's okay. Again, worst case scenario, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. It's something that you can work for, but why? Exactly. Now then why? What is in the Kudla? He works on himself as a conscious personal goal. Whereas until now, it seemed as if he was a kind of a victim, so to speak, although we kept on saying that he chose it, true, but still his day-to-day reality victimized him to a great extent. Like, and again, he chose it, so he chose to be victimized, but still the reality put him in the light of someone who is victimized, in a way, by everything that he has to do for Hashem, learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, davening, you name it, that can, and he takes, and it's so hard, and it's a yoke, and he has he has no satisfaction in it, all those things that we spoke about so long already, that I want to go back there. But it was very, very strong, this aspect of, and he's, in a way, a victim. I know, I can't know. He's not a victim because he chose it, but in his day-to-day life he is, is okay, let's call it suffering, but although he's not really suffering because he blocks out his, before he blocks out his uh, uh, emotions. Do I like it, don't I like it, saying what's that got to do with anything? And again, we spoke about that so long already. Here, here we start something else. Here, suddenly we face with a person who is on a mission. Besides the fact that he accepts on him to be a servant of Hashem, and that is the greater cause like the astronaut that we spoke about last week, he is also personally on a mission where he is the object also of the worship of Hashem. What do you mean he is the object? I'm going to explain that in a moment. Until now, we understand what does it mean. We're, until now, we were talking more in a binary mode, a binary mode, where you had the person and you had Hashem, and the person submits Hashem himself to Hashem's will. So Hashem says, "Go down." The person goes down. Hashem says, "Go do mitzvahs." The person says, "Go do mitzvahs." And since Hashem is always saying something, so he's always doing something for Hashem. But we're still in the binary mode of the human, the person doing for Hashem, and blocking himself out of the picture altogether. That is how we saw it until now. Here suddenly, we're presented with an additional aspect of things. It's not a new, but it's a shift, because it's an additional aspect. Where it's not only the person has to do things that are exterior to him, meaning he is the one doing it, but he's he is learning Torah. Torah is books. 
It's over there in the shalos. He is doing the mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are hotter. But he is the one that goes away from himself to do the mitzvahs. Here suddenly we talk about another goal. The goal is not the Torah. The goal is not the prayer or the Shabbos or this. The goal is your human character. Your human character, your nature. Now we're going to make that a mitzvah. What do you mean? We're going to push it. Not break it to break it, but we're going to push it up. We're going to, to constantly train the human character to not be so nature, nature, nature. Like, what, like it doesn't matter what nature is. So it's a very, very important shift. Because if up until now, yes, the simple servant already pushed himself to do loads of things, but he pushed himself for something, meaning for learning, for Torah, for whatever was needed, actually needed. Here, the person is going to push himself. Why? Because it's important to push one another. That's what we're going to have to get. Why? If I, that's exactly what we're going to have to get in this mindset. But first, let's acknowledge that this is what he's saying. Pushing myself for the sake of pushing myself. And then you have a legitimate question. <laughs> I checked all the boxes. Done this, been there. Okay, fine. Bye-bye. I'm going to sleep now. Oh, you want to sleep? Oh, you shouldn't. Why? Because you want to. What is that about? <laughs> Did I... Did I miss something? Yep, you missed yourself. <laughs> so to speak, like, I did everything already. So that's why I said it. it's a shift in the mimer. Shift, not we're talking about something else. It is within that perspective. First was like the, 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 the ground rules, the basic rules of what is a simple servant. But now that we are in that setting, we're going to like the beta version. Now let's make it, let's give it an upgrade. But he's not only doing everything that Hashem says, he has an additional goal. And this additional goal will be himself, his own nature. Now girls, remember I told you last week already that it, even simple servant, is not so simple. Like the example I gave you with an astronaut last week, and where I assume that even if we would all be people who would all think that it's an extraordinary thing for a person to go on a 60-year space travel for the sake of science and the benefit of humanity, etc., etc., it doesn't mean that we would raise our hands. I want to be that person, but I would definitely applaud whoever gets up and goes into the shop. Yeah, good for you and for us, and as long as we don't do the work. Okay? Meaning, yeah, it's extraordinary, but we understand the value. We understand the value. I don't know if I'm up to it, to give myself over. There it was for science and, 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 and humanity. And it can also happen like this, by a person in his Yiddishkeit, meaning in his relationship with Hashem. That he's not there yet. He's not yet at the point where he's saying, I'm giving my life over 100% to Hashem. I don't care if there's anything in it for me. I don't care if this is going to now be my life. I'm putting myself completely aside for the greater cause, which is Hashem and Torah. It's a lofty thing if a person can do it. Does every one of us, is every one of us able to be so? That's uh, not so simple. We can sometimes, it can sometimes be more complex in certain things. Maybe not 100% of my life, but in certain things of my life, yes. Like, like marriage, where, of course, Torah, Torah regulations in marriage, like marrying Jewish and, 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 and keeping a kosher home, etc., etc., can also, in a way, and we know people that are not religious, that is their resistance with religion, with Torah, is like, it's my life. Like, why should someone tell me who I can marry or how I should be with my partner? It's my life. It is. Because when a person is very in this individualism system of, like, I decide it's my life, this idea of giving up your right to your own life, 
for a cause can sometimes be very difficult even in one domain. So yes, we can be the simple servant, sometimes not across the board in all things, but in a certain thing. And then yes, in that thing, I'm like the simple servant. And then, and then another not religious person can say, but why, why, why do you let a religion make your life choices? And then we say, because I give, I give up my right to make that choice by myself. Because I believe in the values of Torah, of Hashem. I believe in those values, so I choose not to be the one that makes the choices. How it goes? So can we be a simple servant? 100% in one or more aspects in our life. Can we be a simple servant all across the board? That's already depending. Okay, more difficult to like real to the whole extent that he said, okay, that obviously is already well. That's really like, okay, that's why we get up and applaud the person who does that. So obviously now that we're going to the beta version, you could say, well, that's gonna be even more. Well, guess what? Actually, the beta version, as I call it, the simple servant with this additional upgrade suddenly makes the, the first one the first uh, version, so to speak, more relatable. And let's see why. See how it's going? Actually, the first one that was so, it's not about you, it's not about you, it's not about you, could actually provoke some resistance. But now we tell him first, listen, it's about you, but you know what is about you? It's about you not being you. Oh, okay. This becomes a conscious goal about, so suddenly I'm back into the center. Well, until now you're telling me, don't make this about you. It's not about you, put yourself aside. And now I'm back into the picture. No, it is about you, but it is about you not being you. Following? There is anything? It's about you accepting not to be you. And every time you see that you're you, you say, ha ha, gotcha, I'm going to go against that. I gave an example. Let's go with a couple of examples. So, uh, the, 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 the Rebbe Rashab, author of the minor, the fifth of the Rebbe Rashab, <coughs> gives four areas in where we will see a, such a person go against his nature. Because it's about going against your nature. For example, person said, okay, the end of the day's work, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to translate what he says, but more like day to day. The person worked his whole day, he's whatever, he works in a shop, simple example, he came home, he had supper with his family, spent some time with his kids, and now he's going out again, where there's a shear. We can already get up and applaud. He could stay just home and... Watch a movie, surf uh, on internet, browse, whatever, read a book. Oh, wow, great. The person goes, is a sheer, until 10 o'clock. The person doesn't, I'm not going to sleep before 11. So after the class, sheer is a class, I'll stay a little bit longer. I'm going to learn for myself a personal, like, chitas, rambam, from 10 till half past 10. Something. Good. Wow. Now we get up again and we report, right? We stay until half past 10. Okay, now I'm going to go. Why? Well, because I have to go to bed. What would happen if you would go to bed later? Oh, then I would get less sleep. Fine, but could you still work through the day tomorrow? Yeah, I could. Not so comfortable, but I guess I could. Okay, so stay next track. And now here we start thinking about why. Let the guy sleep. Once I get to sleep, he's working hard enough. Let him go to sleep. And no one is telling him. This dialogue is not someone else. This dialogue is the person himself talking to himself. Say, half past ten, this is what I can do. It's still an effort, but I can do it. It's within my comfort zone. Staying till half past eleven, that is really pushing it. Because that means I'm going to have an extra hour of less of sleep. An hour less of sleep. Why is he doing it? For the purpose of pushing his possibilities, his nature. Show I can do more than what I used to. To do what I'm used to, that's not a big thing. I want to do more than I'm used to. 
And the first example that I can give you, and I gave it already to a couple of girls, it, although it's not the ultimate reason that the Mimer will present us, but the example that I can give you is that we all know that the gift that we receive from the person, the gift's value is based on the person's effort and thought much more actually than on the gift value itself. When we appreciate the value of a gift, it is also in the perspective of how much did it, quote unquote, cost the person. You see what I mean by cost? Sometimes the fact that it's a gift with, that costs a lot, what we appreciate in the fact that it's a gift that has a lot of value is because it costed the person a lot, meaning the person went like out of the way more. But actually it, does, it can cost a person not only by monetary value. I gave an example between one person, one kid, who would get a car that is worth, I don't know how many Ks, yeah, really, really a sports car, and that's what you got, whatever, for the 18th birthday. And another person who got a jewelry box. Now, the car is worth, I'm sorry, I do not know the price of the number, so you're going to have to help me out. $50,000? $100,000? $100,000. Like a really high, a high, a high end, high end sports car, okay? So it could be $100,000. Okay, so the car is worth $100,000. That's a good gift. I mean, we wouldn't mind. The jewelry box is actually market value worth $10. Why? Because it's all handmade. It's a simple wooden box that you can buy in any shop that makes arts and crafts. And it's pearls, but it's plastic pearls, not real pearls. But it's painted, it's crafted, the pearls, the disposition, the colors, the name that is done with all the, the elements, the mirror that is in it, the, everything, the detail that went into it is like, it's wow, it's awesome, it's wonderful. That's like a week works of, of preparing that jewelry box. Well, we, we, we were all children and we still are big children, one age and another, it doesn't matter the jewelry box will be much more appreciated than the car that was delivered, if it was the case, by the assistant of the father who was actually now in Japan on a business trip and didn't even send him not even a WhatsApp to say good person. It was just delivered by someone from the company. Again, the kid will take the car. Oh, you bet he'll take the car. And he'll be happy with the car. But it's not the same. Right, because that 100k, it was bought actually by company money, is not a big deal. And the kid knows it. Like, like multi, multi, multi millionaires. It's not a big gift for his father. Like really, like this. Take your car, 100k, or what? Not a big deal. There's no effort. He didn't go out of the comfort zone. But the other one who got the jewelry box, and he realized that the parents spent so much time preparing it, He's touched by the gift. Now you, you see the difference? We'll see the difference. What makes the difference? The difference is the effort. How much did it cost you? And I'm not talking money. How much did it cost you? Did you do it in your comfort zone? Or did you go out of your way? And that's, we appreciate things a lot. So we'll see, soon see, but it's, not, it's only an example to, to ease in the principle. Okay? So first start easing it in. Uh, and, and that, yeah, okay, things that come with extra effort, more than what is expected, has a special value by the sheer fact that it's more than what is expected. That is what makes the value. Second example he gives is mitzvahs. Now, in mitzvahs, the example he's going to go for is because that's where it's going to hurt, is tzedakah. Because money is money. And separating oneself from one's own money that was earned is not easy. It's my money. If I use it for my family, yes, my family. So that's me. If I use it for leisure, again, it's me. I don't mind spending it as long as it's for me. Now, if the Torah tells me, but you have to give nicer, okay, then I give. 
I give the tithe, I give the tenth. Because it's a mitzvah, it's a chiyah, because I'm an evet pasha. I'm a simple servant. I said, I did it. It's hard for me, because it could be actually that I have a very low income. And I could, you know what, actually maybe try and find some kulas and some leniency that maybe in this case, I don't want it. The evet pasha does everything by the book, 100%, right? He doesn't know, it was, he doesn't know no chachmes, I don't know how you say that in English. Chachmes means, uh, huh? Yeah. You're not looking for loopholes or trying to outsmart the rule. Which sometimes you can do. And halacha allows it. So it's okay. So it's not really that you're outsmarted Hashem. Sometimes the person is like, we'll do a little bit like this, a little bit like that. Okay. Um, but he, no. The simple servant that we described before is a soldier by the book. 10% is 10%. No, but you're allowed to do that. I don't care. Not that you, I'm not taking anything off. I'm an accountant. My paycheck is so and so, 10%. Sadaqah. For a lot of people, that itself is already, whoa, that's an effort. That's already not so simple. So he's an avid Pasha. But here comes this, again, beta version. He says, I don't count in percentage. I'm going to push myself as much as I can. I mean, 10%, that's of course. That, that you have to. It's like the person going to a shir at night. Well, you have to. Yeah, you can say, well, you know how many people don't do it? Yeah, you see, we're going back in circles. Yeah, I know. That's why we really applauded you for doing the right thing. Because it's true. Sometimes people do get... They, they res- people do deserve to receive credit for doing the right thing. Since, unfortunately, so many people don't do the right thing. So yeah, sometimes although you just did the right thing, but still, uh, congratulations for doing the right thing. And here we come, someone is like, I don't want to do only the right thing, I want to do more. When is it more? More is when it hurts. Because actually Halacha says that if, you're, if you can, then give 20%. Which actually makes a lot of sense. Think about it one moment, okay? What is, what is a, a standard, standard middle class? Uh, uh, I'm talking months. I know people usually talk year, I talk months. Middle class, again, we'll go with America. Middle class income. What are we talking about? $5,000? Both, both parents, both the household, they both work a month. Is that, is that the average or no? no, no, no. The average is like 35 in America. A month? $35,000 oh, oh, a month? No, that's a year. Oh, a year. So, oh, so, so 5000 a month is a lot already, you think. Okay, so, yeah. so we're going to go with 3000 so, Yeah, okay. So, the average so, is fine, so let's say... Th- so, uh, you, you would say 5000 Okay, so you know what? Let's go for four thousand. Let's go for four thousand. Okay, so let's keep it simple. Four thousand dollars a household makes four thousand dollars a month. Comes halacha and says ten percent tzedakah. You have to give tzedakah. I'm not going into law accounts. Do is it before taxes, after taxes? Okay, let's not go there. I told you to start making all kinds of chizburs. And there's a lot of halacha classes on that. How, how exactly they count? We're going to take it simple. Uh, um, $4,000. So they say, okay, so I'm going to get $400 to Tzedakah. So we live on a budget of 3600 Okay, can we live by Yeah, we can live by that. Fine. Now, if they would make $10,000, that household, a month, and you would say, well, then they would give $1,000. Well, but then they're left with 9000 That's still more than the double than those who were left with 3600 So says Aloha, what would happen if you would get 20%? And you left with 8,000. Again, still more than the double. So Allah will say, a person has to decide himself when to go from 10 to 12, 20, or to 10 to 15. That's in halacha. The standard rule is 10. Then, in halacha itself, it says, well, if you're a higher income, and you can, meaning, what do you mean you can? You're still left with Baruch Hashem enough, and more than enough, and give more. By the way, income tax also reasons the same way. That's the difference. Uh, it, but it does. Income tax also reasons the same way. 
the same type of reasoning. The question is not how much you give, the question is, are you still left uh, uh, with enough? But this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a person who's going to say, I'm not doing what halacha only tells me to do, which that, if it's because halacha will always be in my comfort zone. Even, not true, sometimes halacha is not so comfortable, but I am already submitted to halacha. So that is something that de facto became my comfort zone. But now I'm going to give money as much as I can. And, and on purpose, the Rebbe Roshav says, and that person talking is actually a very stingy person by nature. So that makes it even more hard for him. This is not his character. He doesn't like to spend money just to spend money. In his personal life, as I mentioned to a couple of girls, is that very, most people, when they think about stingy, they think about people with others. This is not what the mind is referring to. Sometimes I don't like to spend for others because I want to keep for myself. But this real stingy person doesn't like to spend for themselves either. They will prefer walking than paying a bus fare, or paying a bus fare than taking a cab that might not be very expensive and it will save them so much time. And they have the money, so like, like for real? <laughs> like, you know the bus is going to go like all around, everywhere. Uh, just take a cab. Right away you get that. Presents are not, it's a shame for the money. It's pretty stingy. Not because he doesn't have, because he doesn't like to spend, not even for himself. That's his character. But he comes to Tzedakah, and he, he, will he will be like that. When suddenly he comes to Tzedakah, the person knocks on his door, or he sees a cause, he says, sure. Okay, it could be that that person's kid is just going to have a crisis, that's possible. Uh, okay, I don't know if you follow that. Understand what I just said? I said it could be that that person's kid, if he sees his father like suddenly pulling out two big bills for Tzedakah, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to you're kidding me, right? <laughs> is this a joke? Is this like hand camera? Like, is it? You just gave him two hundred dollars. Yeah, I know he needed it. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. So. so, if doing more means it hurts, how do we ration that against the halacha that you can give to the extent that it won't lower your standard of living? We are in the gray zone, where you can redefine, you're allowed to redefine your comfort zone, your standard. There is halacha forbids a person to become poor. What is the definition to become poor? That others will not need to help him. That halacha says you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to give tzedakah to the point that you actually put yourself in a place that if not necessarily on a day-to-day -day basis, like bread and butter, but if something would come to happen, I don't know, you have to marry someone, one of your children, whatever, now other people are going to have to help you because you give so much to doctors. That halacha doesn't allow. So you can lower your standard of living as many times as you want until you yes. become a poor person. Halacha says that that's where the obligation stops. Where does the obligation stop? At my standard of living. Oh, the obligation. We're talking about someone who wants to push himself. So he wants to push himself, he said, oh, it's not about the obligations, it's about going against what I'm used to. The third thing is that he brings is character traits. And he gives a couple of character traits. He talks about people who are in their, in their character. Some people are more uh, uh, irritable than others. Like they, 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 they become very angry. Some people are, keep, keep a grudge in their nature. That's how they're done. They're, they're more, they have a more of a, a, a vengeance so to speak, nature, where they have to, things have to be, a wrong has to be, uh, whatever, fixed. See, we have to, and, and or, or, or some people have a natural tendency to, to belittle others, or to find problems by others. Some people have a natural tendency to complain, I thought, I mean, it's in French, so you can't see it, but maybe, uh, like, lately someone sent me a link. I'm actually very offended, I don't know why you sent me the link. 
and about a TED talk, a person that went on a personal, a personal uh, journey. No, yeah, but a personal like coaching system of stopping complaining, like with the rubber and everything. And and the person tells the journey of how she realized that we we are complaining all the time, but not in a point that it bothers us. It's just a natural way of doing. Like you come, she's saying you come to the office and say, "Oh, they didn't do this yet." Okay, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, it doesn't occupy your mind. It's just a natural way of doing. Yeah, they right away pick up on the things like, "Oh, they didn't put on the heater. Just just put it down." You right away go to all the things that the person didn't had didn't happen. Oh, like, oh, wow, what a, like. If it's raining outside. Not if when it's not less likely when it's shiny, when it's sunny outside. But if it's raining outside or it's windy outside or snowing outside, then strangers in an elevator will start talking about the weather. Oh man, it's pouring. Yeah. Exactly. Like they have nothing to talk about. So what is the common value? Complaining. Like that, like one thing that we can all that we can like all agree upon, like all the time. Like, like what's the point of taking an elevator and saying it's su- it's sunny? Yeah, who cares? Who are you anyways? Right up Like that, I do that with a friend, but with a stranger, I won't share. It's sunny today, but I say, wow, it's pouring. That's tough. Yeah, I know. Right, that you can do with a stranger because it's relatable. Complaining is relatable. Humans again. I'm very offended where the person sent me that link. I don't know if there was a hint in there or not. But anyways, um, so what is he saying? He's saying, well, an Ayvedalikim. Okay, I'm going to get to Ayvedalikim. But that person, I call him the beta version, is going to seek out every natural character trait, even if it's not directly halacha related. Obviously, if it's halacha related, like Russian Haran and the Kama and vengeance. But even if it's not halacha related. Like, that's why I, I gave this example of complaining. Like, what does Allah say about that? Oh, nothing. So I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. You're not an idol like him. Why? Because you're not working on yourself. You're not working on your middays. You're not going against your character trait. Yeah, it's okay. You're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. You're an avid push, but you're not an idol like him. Why? Because you're not pushing yourself. So how, what should I do? Well, sometimes, well, you start by keeping quiet. Well, if I'm anyways a quiet person, well, then start talking. So which one is it? Well, it's the opposite of what you are. It's like pushing yourself. You don't have, you don't like to do it. Huh? Why? Go ahead, share. That's, that's the kind of what we're here for. Is it because it's hard enough already as it is? Like, don't push it? No. There is really no problem. There is really no problem. Apparently, there is really no problem. So basically, you're saying it's, it's senseless. It's like it's pointless. It's like, it's stung. It's like suffering stung. Yeah? So we'll soon see why. We didn't say truth. You did have this question already from the beginning of the class. We didn't yet say why. But also, why would Hashem make us in a certain way if all He wants from us is to be different? Well, but if He would have made us live in a way, then He would have wanted us to be a certain way. Right. <laughs> so, so the question it goes back to that question. Yeah. Meaning, what's the why point of changing? Meaning, because the whole purpose is changing. Meaning, doesn't matter if I'm a, if I'm like a more bubbly person naturally. Mm-hmm. Learn to control yourself. If I'm a quiet person, it's like, speak up. So everyone you're saying to be the other person. Well, so why didn't Hashem just switch their character? Because he was still would have said the same thing to both of them. Yes. Their area of expertise. 
I just had this joke. I didn't think of this joke for a very long time. Uh, we're, getting, we're getting to the answer. The answer, there's a value that is called iskafia, which means uh, um, uh, subduing. Huh? Isn't it like going under? Yes, subduing. Restraining. Restraining. Yeah, no, no, it's more than holding back. It's more than one time. Let me see who the English what you say. Uh, suppress. Yeah. So suppress. Why don't so the, I'm, I'm share a joke with you. But it's a real, it's not a joke, it's an anecdote, but it's a funny anecdote. This one that was in your, so suppressing one's desires is a big value in Hasidut, in Hasidut Chabad. So in a, in a Hasidish yeshiva, Lobavitch, Chabad Lobavitch yeshiva, especially if you're talking about older people, and in a serious yeshiva, that value is something that is very, very um, present. That's why in, in yeshivas you have very strongly the value of iskafya, 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 meaning hold back, hold back, hold back. So once, the story goes, uh, uh, another thing, it happened with Rav Chaim, Tesselman here in Tzachabah, but I don't know, the Bachar's name is not called. How do you spell iskafya? Iskafya? Yeah, how do I spell that? In Hebrew? Hebrew. Hebrew. I-S-K-A. No, in Hebrew. In Hebrew. Oh, it's Well, I'll show, I'll show it to you. One second. It's written there. So, he walked by, he, 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 he walked by a young man in yeshiva who was eating a big Italian ice cream with a cone and everything, right? With a couple of colors. And so the mashpia walked by him and like looked at him and said, it's coffee. So the Bacha answered him, yes, I know. You have no idea how much of a desire and taiva I had to do this kafya, but I broke myself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, we all can figure out that was not true, but uh, <laughs> most probably. He's just trying to That's work though. <laughs> yeah. So, no, what, what, where, is it going, where is it going with you? Of course, don't be a tippish. If your teva is completely in line with what Hashem wants, and by breaking that teva, you actually would do exactly that. You know what the whole idea that, like, where are, who are you really? You're really your godly soul. Like, that's the only Yes. No, 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 no. I actually, I have to correct that. You cannot say my real nature is my godly soul. Say my real identity. Not the same thing. My real identity. We can understand that uh, uh, as well when, let's say a person has a real, real clinical communication problem. A person is very, very abrupt, very, comes off like very aggressive. It's like, it's like the person, it's, like, it's a communication problem. Now that person really loves another person, really cares for another person. You would never be able to figure it out if you would hear the person speak. Yeah, because that is an issue he has to get under control. So you see, the way of speaking is his nature, his love is his identity. This is what we're saying. It's not because I like Tadavis or I like Averis that, I'm against, that my, my identity is against Hashem. No. My real identity, who I am, the real I, that is my natural Likus. My nature is my natural bond. That's how I behave. And a lot of times, my nature, my identity, don't get along. Huh? Yes. What is the value? Okay, so let's get to. So let's get to that. So let. So let. Let's. No. No. You, you can do both. But there's a nature. But this. When you talk, channeling is a lot already related to another word, which is called is hot hot. No. No. Well, well, if you started learning, I'm sure you did. I hope you did. It's right? So it's It's said in one sentence. 
But the main avoda is this kafya. And so this is when it's half half. So let me, because time is running out, so let me get to the bottom of, of, of the, this notion. And we didn't learn anything inside today, but the, it's important that you have to... Uh, uh, please bear with me in the, in, in the reasoning. Actually, the passage of the Tanya of today, the daily Tanya, is 100% the same idea. It's uh, chapter 22, at the end of chapter 22 of Tanya, especially. You see, everything that exists, everything, be it, be it in, the, in the higher spiritual world or in this physical world, everything that exists, is directly animated by divine spiritual energy. Because it's only the spiritual energy that comes from Hashem that gives existence to everything. And when we say everything, we mean everything. But, in the connections between what is created and the energy that creates it, meaning, Hashem's energy created every single thing, and thus every single thing, every single entity, every single dimension is an extension of Hashem. Because Hashem's existence, with the minuscule E, is the existence of all existence. It's His existence. Now, in the relationship between creation and creatures, and their essence, which is the divine energy, there is a couple of possibilities. Going from the possibility, I don't want to dwell on it because if not the whole class is going to go, going from the possibility of a complete symbiosis and harmony where you actually cannot, you, can't, you can barely see it's a creation, it's just part of Hashem, to a creation that, that has a separate consciousness Possibly number two, but that knows that it's completely synchronized with Hashem, like for example, angels, to a creation that has a separate consciousness, could not go with Hashem, but decides to go with Hashem, that is Amnisra, that is a naturally case, a nef- to a creation that is oblivious to Hashem's existence. It doesn't know itself. That's the fourth possibility. Or a fifth possibility would be a creation or a creatures that not, no, they're not, ob- I mean, they are oblivious to Hashem's energy being their existence. But not only are they oblivious to Hashem being their existence, they fight Hashem. As if from the outside. They are like whatever fictional character you want to imagine, but that would be sitting on a tree, on a branch of a tree, but they would say, let's fell the tree, because we don't need the tree, we are the branch. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, but, yeah, but that's exactly how they go about it. Like, we are the people of the branch. And the branch has not, nothing to do with the tree. And actually the tree is blocking our sunlight. Let's cut down this tree. So that we, people of the branch, could live on forever on our branch. Again, stupid. Like, but that's Clippus. That is Clippus. Clippus are not only... What is the difference between Clippus and materialism? Sheer materialism. Sheer materialism is oblivious to Hashem's energy within it. Klipot, they are not only oblivious to Hashem's energy being their existence, they actually fight Hashem's existence. As if the tree is taking up so much of the juice of the earth, we want the juice of the earth. Down with the tree. 
היה. מיני ובי. Our nefesh abahamis, our human character, a.k.a. animal soul, our human character comes from klipos. Comes from a level that has an, not, that has an arrogance of self-sufficiency. You follow me that? I am me and myself and we exist by ourselves. Take a balloon. My human, my human character is like this balloon. But the balloon is communicating with a system of, of pipes with the lycos, with the divine. I sit on the balloon. I don't break it. I'm pushing the air out of it. And it's going back up into Kedusha. It's going back up into divine, pure energy. So every time this balloon is in front of my face, I push the air out of it. And that is what I do when I go against my nature. It's not about me suffering. It's about me curbing the Nefesh Bahamis that comes from Tukov. So I'm pushing it out on purpose to reduce it. Then I also can and what still stays, I canalize. I do both. I, I push it on purpose. Now what would happen if I don't push it on purpose? Oh, it could be that if I'm like as a before the beta version, the simple version, it would still be okay. I'm still doing everything by the book. It could be. But watch out, however, because So to speak, even on tape, these are, the clippers are tricky bastards. Why? Because they multiply. You think, okay, they are what they are. Fine. That's how I should create them. I'll do my thingies. They'll be who they are. Fine. Watch out. They tend to continue inflating. So there's a purpose of deflating them, be it only to keep them in check. In the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe writes that the older a person becomes, the bigger his ego and arrogance, and the bigger his tithes. And I don't have to tell you. I'm not, a sh- I'm not proud to say it. but you're young enough to know that a lot of times you see adult people getting into fights, not only physically, that, but like disputes or arguments or are becoming angry with each other for reasons of pride at the end of the day. And where young people look at the adults and think, really? How old are you guys? Like, how can it be that a young person is like more mature than the adult person? Like the young person is 20 saying, okay, get over it. Move on. Fine, so did they say, he didn't say, she said, okay. We're not going to go on such a fight, that's stupid. And they do. Why? You know, you heard why or not? You heard why not? Because the older you become, the more your nefesh is, your human character, it never goes down. Yeah, well it does, that's when the person does. Uh, okay. But then, until then, it just goes. So yeah, of course, for a 20-year-old, saying, okay, fine, I don't appreciate, I don't think it's nice, I think the person really is not behaving nicely, that's fine. I'm not going to let that rock my, my evening, my life, whatever. Okay, fine, move on. An adult person, since his ego 
has inflated already, it's much harder. Like, what is this? It's unacceptable! If you don't get some of the air out of the balloon, Exactly. No, no, no. Popping is when you pop. Yeah, but exactly. Huh? No, no, no. The person done. pops, that's at the end of the life. Yeah. yeah. Actually, come to think of it, I really think that we should rename, we should recoin the term pops. Pops, pops. Find Sava is much nicer. Um, anyways, so, so, just saying, yeah, so you see why you have to curve the mirror? You understand the reason now why? Because you could say, because you could say now it is like it is, and it's okay, it's under control. Nothing is happening with it. I'm doing what I have to do. It is what it is. Give me a break. Yep. It won't. It won't give you a break. So, so you take it on both sides. One, every time I deflate it, I'm bringing back kadiskaf Every time I deflate the, the, the side that is against Kedusha, Hashem's revelation becomes higher. So it's much more than just the same air, because it's, the dynamics is much, much more, because if you call the Kula Almin, it's a much higher energy. By the reaction, the Davka, the, the one that was against Hashem, was broken, so to speak, to go and go to do for Hashem, that creates the obscurity, the light that comes from obscurity that is stronger than light by itself. Plus, comes the second part. If you don't do it, it will come for you. But you won't realize it because it's growing from inside. Naturally, the person said, and the person, a lot of times, they become adults, and staying on the, on the Indian of the pride, they become adults, and they always knew that they were good people. And they don't necessarily realize that they are not necessarily anymore. Because, because they were good people. But it's like from within, the balloon kept on. And I am who I am. And I know I am a good person. Well, your behavior isn't anymore. Sorry to say. Uh, but you see what's misleading? Because the person in the beginning looked at the balloon and said, okay, that's not so bad. I'm doing what I have to do. Fine, no problem. And that's why you have to keep uh, the trading that balloon, even to have a good shalom bias, and have good middles all the way. A Hasidim used to say that an old person is called a yoshish. Yoshish is a Hebrew term for elderly person. So Hasidim said, yes, yoshish, twice the word yesh. Mm. It's double yeshus. Mm. Uh, why? Because you, because you let it inflate. That's it. Thank you. Thank you.